Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Welcome to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg, where we believe like Einstein. We have no special talents. We are just passionately curious. Passionately curious about all things pertaining to men. How in the hell did we get here? And where is it that we want to go? That iron sharpening iron process that is ongoing from when we are cognizant and youth till up until literally when we go to eternal rest. The body can fall away, man. But Lord willing, should he give us a mind that remains functional? It can get stronger and more vibrant and help others to plan better. Hmm. We already know from last episode that this will now be episode two in a search for meaning. But before we jump into it, this is such a large world, but it is such a seamlessly small world. I think COVID showed everyone that. And if you're any type of scholar, you like history, and or just simply a student of current affairs, you know that we are all intertwined. And as we have said so habitually, we're all the same. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. People have the same basic needs. And that being said, you could drop me in any of these spots in the world. And I would find a way to make it. And most probably to get along and thrive with the other men in these countries. So we've already mentioned our listenership is growing. It is unbelievable. And some of those countries we mentioned before, I mean, I talked about Belgium beer that I like. That contingent is growing. We had India and Sweden, Austria, Canada, Japan. Did you know we have Israel in here now? That is amazing, especially with everything going on. But I know that Benjamin Netanyahu's brother was killed in the Entebbe raid back with Idi Amin. He knows how to fight. He knows how to get his boys in order. Now, whether or not the genesis of that Hamas attack was planned, allowed, hey, just like Joseph, that's a coat of many colors. And it may get uh, it may get unstriped down the road, but not in this episode. We're just thankful that we have the Jewish people on board with us, and it is my belief that God made covenant with uh, with the Jewish people. And then, of course, uh, Christ came along, and uh, the word spread out not only from their old law but to the Gentiles as well. And I'm one of them. We're all better for it. Thankful to have Israel on board. 
I'll tell you another new one. We've got some Aussies on board now. And my daughter's always been fascinated with Australia. I can't remember that show that she was so crazy about. And we got into surfing for a while. So loves Australia. Of course, I'm a big fan of Novak Djokovic. Ten Australian Opens. Come on, brother. And we can actually add now the country of Belarus. One of the former Soviet republics is now on board with us. So guys... We're getting one hell of an international brew in here, so let's start mixing it up as we go forward and search for meaning, episode two, and here it goes. When you have parents, they shape your meaning. They are your guardrails, your buffers. When you walk alone, you find meaning in your interactions with others and the greater world around you by how you are received. You then take that feedback loop. Remember circular response from episode one. And you adjust accordingly. It is you. And you are transcribing this for yourself without any external stimuli that is hard-packed on top of you. You're creating it from nothing. So we ran through uh, selling knives. We ran through walking on the University of Texas football team. And then after failing out of school, and let's get the chronology right, I had actually went to University of Texas Walked on the team, made the football team, failed out of school. Was not uh, sure what to do at that point. Fell into the knife sales. Whole other episode that is forthcoming here very soon. Solely about that for their sales group. And they gave me an opportunity to open up an office in Bryan College Station. Well... After that summer of being a branch manager, I'm like, you know what? This is cool. Opportunities are immense. Was making good money, especially for a 19-year-old boy, man, boy. But I was still not sure if that was what I wanted to do. You could certainly make that a career. That wasn't calling me at that time. And so I started school at, well, the rival of UT, A&M. Jumped in there, um, started up, but was still floundering. I had no idea what it is I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be different, and I knew I still did not feel like I had arrived as a man. And we have echoed it many times. Until another man, that's the iron sharpening iron, takes that boy or young man to his side, and he's like, Hey, Joe, I've watched you. I've seen you. You're good of your own accord. You have what it takes. You are growing and you are going to be something. I believe in you. The Lord believes in you. If you don't have that, you're going to create it for yourself. So next stop for me, Uncle Sam came calling. And I said, well, what can I go do for Uncle Sam? Well, I thought, well, let's get into the fight. Let's do something extraordinary. So, long story short, I became a light infantryman for the United States Army. And, but I quickly realized there too, 
That's not what all I had thought it would be cracked up to be. And did I feel like I was any more of a man? The physicality of it was wholly easy for me. I was already in shape. In fact, before I went into basic training, I'd went on this whole training regimen because um, I think it was back then was called, it was an Airborne Ranger contract. I think it was called an RGV4, something like that, four-year contract. You come out and you have Army College Fund and GI Bill waiting for you. It was never supposed to be a career stop for me. It was just supposed to be a stepping stone, a stepping stone whereby I could learn for myself and prove myself. But I quickly got enmeshed in some of the things uh, I described before that just rubbed me the wrong way. Was I a model soldier? Hell no, because I was now in one of the most entrenched, excuse me, I was now in one of the most entrenched hierarchies (laughs) that the world knows. And because of your position in that organization, you have a great deal of men above you. And because I was somewhat self-sufficient at that time, and maybe they were delusions of grandeur, um, I fancied myself, but honestly, I believed it uh, within myself that many of those that were above me and or in positions of authority were not as smart, were not as hard, were not as talented. And I was definitely a, uh, I was definitely a thorn in many men's side. And had I not received the insulation of some superior men um, far above me, Lord only knows what would have happened. And, and what we created there was a little bit of a game of cat and mouse, whereby you already know I relished working by myself and I relished autonomy. And so that kind of morphed into, since I was a mortarman by training, uh, teaching stuff, uh, different cadres for the expert infantryman badge test, um, also call for fire. And then later on, as I was closer to getting out, teaching that to uh, Marines from Okinawa that would be in Korea. There was also a Marine presence in Korea at that time. We were up on the DMZ at the 1st of the 503rd Light Infantry or Assault Battalion. And then we would get 1st Special Forces Group who would come over uh, from Okinawa. And I would be the guy that would help train those guys up because they had weapons sergeants. And their job is to train indigenous forces wherever they go. And uh, those dudes had to be really proficient in all matters that were small arms and everything else. And uh, so I liked those dudes. I liked them a lot. In fact, I turned down an SFSAS package when it was time, actually probably a year before I got out, because I knew I was not staying in. Actually turned down OCS two, maybe three times, starting in basic training when they pulled me aside. I think that was partially out of fear, fear of failure. Um, because I went all the way through my initial boards before I turned that down and was available for worldwide assignment. And they still kept throwing it at me uh, because I had some previous college, and I guess I was somewhat squared away in what it is that I did. But I also knew that that was a career-defining experience, and I just was not sure. I really was not sure on anything 
other than the fact that at that point in time, I felt like I now had some staticness, meaning I had some security in myself. I knew what I wanted to do and not wanted to do. And I had direction now. I had now been privatized, no pun intended, into this system. And it got to, got me to see many things from, you say, the thousand foot look down and from the small guy looking up. I knew what I liked and I knew what I didn't like. And it just simply reinforced what I had been growing up with all the time. And when you hear John Lavelle talk, and you know that I am a fan of his, he was 2nd Ranger Battalion, multiple combat tours, Iraq, Afghanistan. His organization is called WarriorPoetSociety.org, Warrior Poet Society. I mean, that's a warrior intellect right there. And But he had a saying, I had never thought about it like this. He said... I was simply a man in the military. I was not a military man. That describes me to the T. And I knew I would be getting out. And so that last year, I spent that uh, teaching and what I had just mentioned to you. And then there were a couple of civilian guys that were coming around. And I basically, with two other guys, ran a range for them and just shot copious amounts of ammunition. And it ended up that we were shooting for different stateside agencies at that time. HRT didn't require a degree. DEA didn't require a degree. And I had an opportunity to transition out and go shoot for one of those agencies. But to me, honestly, I had no idea what kind of uniform, whether it would have been plain clothes or another Another group of garb, per se, but I wasn't ready to trade one out for another. I wanted to be my own man. I believed in myself, but I also left that kind of lingering footprint that I could have embraced so many things there. And let me just tell you, the military has amazing opportunities for anyone and everything, should that be your chosen path, you can jump in, not skip a one, and you can soar to heights that uh, will take you where it is you want to be, if that is, in fact, where you want to be. It just was not for me, and I didn't like to be told what to do. It just came from my growing up and development, and I had created my own authority for so long. Blessing and a curse, right? You've heard me mention it in some of my early episodes. Blessing and a curse, man. Seems to be the recurring mantra. But if you've heard Dave Goggins talk, um, he belonged via his performance, so did I. But he did not belong with his teams and mentality. Going back to John Lavelle, he belonged in performance but he did not belong in spirit, his soul. And I was very much akin to that. And I mean, that even reminds me, back back at Fort Carson, so that's stateside and that's in Colorado, when guys were all out and what do infantry guys do, they go out, 
I don't want to mince words, it's a bad word, but whoring, tattooing, drinking. Um, I became a volunteer in the emergency room at the Penrose St. Francis Hospital. I read a lot of books, man. So I'm sure that alienated me from uh, from a lot of the guys. I was just a different cat. And really from where I'd come from in my life, I didn't know how to integrate correctly, man. I'd built myself so much on being different, I really just did not know how to simply grab a hold and become the same. Later on, though, that would benefit me because I did end up being able to work for myself, run my own businesses. And yes, I was always beholden to someone, but I called the shots and I learned that I was always a uh, a much better boss than I ever was an employee. And to this day, I still credit Uncle Sam to a great degree um, with giving me essential tradecraft, and I would call that tradecraft born out of depravity, being a lowly guy in a system with a lot of moving parts and learning how to survive. And But I was already, once again, you've heard me talk about learning how to talk. And someone must have noticed. They must have noticed because um, while I was at Fort Carson, 10th group had started transitioning from the Northeast, coming down to that post. A lot of different people were there. I had some conversations with some of those guys. And then going back to my time on the DMZ, I remember some of those conversations. But I'd already encapsulated those and shut them off. I'd move from one chapter of my life, immediately close that chapter, and I'd be ready to start walking through the next, what it was going to present. I didn't know. And like I said, that direction still wasn't there quite yet. But what it culminated later on in, in 1998, 1999, maybe it's because maybe by then I had graduated college. Maybe someone remembered something from before. But I started getting calls from Langley, Virginia on my actual handset phone at my specific office desk working for the city of Harlingen. And not only did they call there, but they called at my home phone, whereby my wife would be answering. And that went on, on and off for about a month. I don't know if that means I had any intangible that they thought would be appreciable for the country. I'd like to think so. Um, But if that is in fact the case, even though I didn't end up going doing that type of work for Uncle Sam overseas, which is really pervasive, by the way. People have no idea what goes on around the world and how the U.S. perpetuates its influence. We'll save that for down the road. And before you ever see the might of the U.S. military somewhere, there have been uh, typically several waves of men and women that have gone, met with leaders, and tried to convince them to go in a certain direction. A lot of times currency is involved. But I ended up doing that and my line of work repossessing 18-wheelers around the country for 22 years now, 22, 23 years now. 
and that is <laughs> meeting with every badass guy you could ever imagine from every golly country of origin that you could imagine. Many of those countries that have been in the news for the past 20 years. And so I started living my own chess game and learning how to survive on the streets. And like I said before, those guys taught me everything that I needed to know. So let's conclude episode two here of A Search for Meaning, and we will tie a nice pretty bow on it during episode three and get into what I called the beginning of real life. I realized that real life had arrived, and guess what? It involved a woman. So the next time on the Comfortable and Chaos podcast, I bid you bon voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos podcast.